Hello, uh, and welcome to the Royal College of Anaesthetists podcast. This is a podcast following the launch of a brand new chapter in the guidelines uh, for the provision of anaesthetic services, or GPAS. My name's Dr. Marie Nixon. I'm a consultant anaesthetist in Portsmouth, and I'm clinical quality advisor at the Royal College of Anaesthetists. I'm also an AXA reviewer and a member of the AXA committee, and I had the pleasure of being lead author for this new chapter. And with me today uh, for this podcast are Sandeep Lakhani, Tanya Hall and Stephanie James. If you'd each like to introduce yourselves. Thanks, Marie. So I'm Dr. Sandeep Lakhani. I'm a consultant anaesthetist and the Divisional Clinical Director for Neurosurgical Division at the Walton Centre in Liverpool. Um, I'm also an EXA reviewer and a member of the EXA committee. Um, and I am a chair of the Clinical Leaders uh, in Anesthesia Network. Thank you, Sandeep. Tanya? Hello, uh, my name is uh, Dr. Tanya Hall. I'm an ST7 um, anaesthetic trainee at the University Hospital Sussex, um, and I had the pleasure of being an author um, on this chapter. Thank you, Tanya. Stephanie? Uh, hello, my name is Stephanie James. I'm the clinical quality coordinator coordinator um, at the college. Um, I have been responsible for uh, looking after GPAS and I also look after other pieces of guidance that's published by the uh, college as well as an AXA reviewer. Okay, so I'm going to start by briefly talking about um, GPAS overall and then um, a, a brief introduction to this new chapter. The guidelines for the provision of anaesthetic services or GPAS are guidelines that are there to support anaesthetists um, who are designing and delivering high quality services across all aspects of the anaesthetic service. GPAS sets recommendations which then inform how anaesthetic services are run. And the recommendations in each of the GPAS chapters are then developed using our NICE accredited development process. So these are actually robust, they're evidence-based guidelines that are independently assured by, the, uh, by NICE. The recommendations in each of the GPAS chapters then in turn shape standards uh, that are assessed through the Royal College's accreditation process, or AXA. The standards set in GPAS and AXA work synergistically to improve practice across the anaesthetic service by firstly GPAS setting the standards and then through expert external accreditation of services against those standards. So GPAS supports delivery and de development of high quality anaesthetic services, and then AXA supports departments to actually implement the recommendations in GPAS by setting standards derived from GPAS against which the department can be benchmarked through self-assessment and through peer review. In addition to this internal college-based assessment, the national regulators also recognise GPAS and AXA and assess against these standards. So moving on to um, this new chapter, the good department, as we've already said, this is a brand new chapter for GPAS. Previously, all the chapters have focused on a particular clinical aspect of the service uh, that's being delivered. However, experience gained through the delivery of the AXA scheme identified that there was a need for something else in AXA, 
that focused on what it is about a department itself beyond the clinical aspects of the service that makes for a successful department. What makes a department one in which staff actually want to work and stay working? They want to take on extended roles and they want to contribute to improving standards of care for patients. We all know that there are things that are often difficult to put your finger on, difficult to describe or to define, that makes for a good department, a department that one wants to be part of. And these same qualities are qualities that help deliver the highest standards of care across the whole of the anaesthetic service. So our aim in this chapter was to try to define those often covert qualities and to bring them all together into one chapter, the good department. So setting recommendations for departments to challenge themselves against and to develop their values and processes, so further driving up standards. Much of what we've attempted to define relates to the culture of a department and the values uh, that are held within that department. There are cultural and values-based themes that run throughout the whole of the chapter and things that are particularly um, th there's an emphasis on are concepts of being supportive, openness, having a proactive approach, um, a focus of, on improvement, uh, being cohesive and collaborative and uh, questioning and challenging but in a supportive manner, just to give you a flavour of what runs through the chapter in my mind. The chapter makes recommendations in terms of five broad areas. Uh, those areas are leadership and strategy and management, workforce, education and training, clinical governance and finally support services. So having given you a very brief overview of the chapter, I'm now going to hand over to Steph to tell us something about the administrative side of putting this whole chapter, bringing everything together within this chapter as a new chapter. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Marie. Um, so as Marie has already um, talked about, uh, GPAS includes recommendations that describe the requirements for the provision of a high quality anaesthetic service for patients. Um, and as mentioned, it, all of our GPAS chapters are NICE accredited, which involves the college following a rigorous evidence-based process. As part of this process, there are key stages that we are, that we are required to follow and give evidence of. So the process of creating a new GPAS chapter is scheduled to take around 18 months. Um, for the Good Department chapter, it took a little bit longer. Um, obviously, we had the COVID-19 pandemic taking place during, so um, there was a few additional months added onto the uh, end of the uh, chapter development process. The first stage uh, that we go through is we recruit the authors. So for the Good Department chapter, we recruited a total of seven authors, four of which are consultant anaesthetists and three that are trainee anaesthetists. We also recruited a chapter development group who are responsible for reviewing and providing comments on the chapter draft um, throughout its creation. Um, and the chapter development group consists of relevant stakeholders for the chapter from external organisations as well as um, a lay representative so that we also included the patient perspective. 
The next stage we go through is the literature review. So the college employs a GPAS researcher who completes a systematic literature review and data abstraction across multiple databases based on the search protocol and scoping document for the chapter. Uh, the authors were then tasked with sifting through all the evidence collected and reviewing and grading the evidence according to the critical appraisal uh, tools used at the college um, and then based on this decided whether to include the evidence in the chapter or exclude the evidence. Uh, the systematic literature review is conducted at the beginning of the process and is repeated a few months prior to publication of the chapter so that the authors can review the latest evidence available and decide whether it should be referenced in the chapter. The next stage, once we've gone through the literature review, um, the authors are tasked with drafting most of the text and initial recommendations found within the Good Department chapter. Um, and then at crucial, crucial stages, uh, the chapter development group were then asked to review and contribute to the chapter and the authors integrated their comments into the chapter draft. There were numerous iterations of the chapter over the course of its development um, as it constantly evolved. Um, and once the authors were happy with the content of the chapter, each of the recommendations were graded using a grading system which assesses the recommendation against a set of criteria to evaluate its clinical importance, taking into consideration the weight of evidence to give the recommendation an overall strength. Following this, uh, we entered the consultation stage, uh, which involves three different processes. Um, the chapter is initially peer reviewed uh, and then it is sent for internal consultation um, to our lay committee within the college, again to get the patient perspective um, and is also reviewed by our clinical quality and research board. And finally, it was sent out for public consultation and was available on our website for four weeks. Um, after each of the consultation stages, all of the comments received were reviewed by the authors and appropriate changes made to the chapter. And once the Good Department chapter had gone through the consultation stage, the chapter had final sign off by the college and was published on the RCA website. Um, going forward, this chapter will be reviewed on an annual basis, uh, so it will be due for publication of January of every year and will undergo a full review every five years to ensure the chapter remains NICE accredited. Thank you, Steph. Um, and now I'm going to hand over to Sandeep to particularly talk to us and tell us about the impact as he sees uh, it of this chapter uh, from the perspective of a CD. Thank you, Murray. So I'm sure that CDs and healthcare managers, along with uh, other anesthetists who have responsibilities for service delivery, will find this chapter particularly helpful to develop and manage a safe and high quality anesthesia service delivery in terms of the non-clinical aspects. So through feedback from various EXA reviews in the past, it has been clear to the college for quite some time that there is something beyond just excellent clinical delivery that makes an anesthetic department a good department. So I was really pleased um, to find that college has undertaken to, to commission this GPAS chapter. As you mentioned earlier, Marie, this is the first chapter in GPAS um, that focuses on non-clinical aspects of service delivery. And speaking as a CD, I'm, I'm confident that it will allow CDs and managers to benchmark themselves against a set of standards and criteria. This chapter, as you, as you said earlier, defines criteria for various topics like culture, leadership and management, strategy, job planning, rota management, safe staffing and, and clinical governance. So I'm quite excited that 
now for all of these topics and many others, we finally have a clear written down definition of what is good and what isn't. I'm positive that this will start to bring about a uniform standardized improvement in how departments manage, plan and deliver services. When access standards are reviewed next year, this chapter will result in some additional standards against which the departments will be reviewed. So we should start seeing the effects very soon. Thank you, Sandeep. And Tanya, if I could hand over to you now to particularly talk to us about um, the perspective uh, from a trainee's point of view of the importance of this chapter. Thank you, Marie. Yes, uh, I think the one of the overarching principles of this chapter um, is uh, building a sustainable workforce and a sustainable service that can continue to deliver safe, high quality patient care now and into the future. Um, the anaesthetic specialty is fortunate to have excellent, an excellent committed trainee workforce. And, and part of this was, was trying to harness this potential and make sure um, that we, we don't over the years lose uh, such, a, such a valuable um, part of our workforce. Um, you'll see in this chapter that a great deal is mentioned about well-being and the dangers of stress and burnout. And interestingly, as you'll remember, we started to discuss this pre-pandemic. Um, it, it was COVID was on the horizon when we had our first meeting, but I don't think any of us at that time had fully appreciated the challenges that we would face as a specialty and a society at that point. Even at that point, I remember us talking in depth about the importance of, a build, of building a sustainable anaesthetic work, workforce and the issues that we were facing as a specialty of stress and burnout. Now, 18 months after that initial discussion, these, these issues have never been more relevant or important for us as a specialty. And um, as a group of professionals, we must recognise um, the stress that we've been under and be aware of how that affects us all and how we look after each other and our colleagues. What's fantastic about this chapter is that um, I think for the first time, um, it really shows um, how awareness um, and support for well-being and pr promoting um, staff satisfaction has to come from higher up, um, from departments and therefore uh, from hospitals um, who have a responsibility for ensuring their staff well-being in order to maintain a safe and engaged workforce and to continue to deliver excellent patient care over years to come. Thank you, Tanya. So, Drawing this um, podcast to a close, what in preparing this podcast, uh, what I've been thinking about is, is what is outstanding um, for me um, regarding this chapter. What, what, what's the one thing that stands out? And that's really difficult, I think, um, because there are um, uh, across the board, there are so many different aspects of the chapter that I, I think, um, you know, we've we've got things down on paper that really haven't been put down in terms of clear guidelines and recommendations before. However, if there was one thing I had to pick um, uh, as something that was outstanding, I would say it was about something to do with the importance of being supportive and looking out for each other and actually being kind. And, and the importance of that, not, not just because it's the right thing to do to for one's colleagues, but actually that's how you deliver the best care for patients. Um, so that's my one outstanding uh, thing. Uh, Tanya, would you, could you pick something that stands out for you 
beyond what you've said already? Yes, um, I think uh, for me, um, it is that uh, I, I agree. It's it's that um, that thing of kindness, um, and I think it's it's ensuring that um, that we can deliver this high quality anaesthetic care by 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 prioritising by well-being, but also equity, diversity, and inclusion of all anaesthetic staff, and promoting work-life balance. And by doing that, we will we will um, continue to provide an excellent service. Thank you, Tonya. And Sandeep? Sorry, I'm going to be a slight rebel and I'm going to probably mention two things, Marie. Um, I was really pleased to see um, the word negative behaviours being mentioned in this chapter because I think that is that is something very important. And I hope this will define to everyone what is acceptable, what isn't, the impact that this has on on. Uh, the rest of the department, the staff, and therefore our patients. So that was something that that was very important and stood out for me. And in addition to that, the other highlight has been the section on support services, which has criteria for, for things like office space, meeting facilities, admin support, and things like Wi-Fi computers. Um, this may not seem very important uh, you know, when you just look at them, but I think it's a really important issue is that many CDs struggle to adequately um, gain access for the departments. And the mention of all these criteria in this chapter will hopefully make it easier for, for CDs to flag this up. Thank you both. So just to finish, what about the future? Well, the next step for us uh, as a college is having published this new chapter, we will clearly need to develop the standards in AXA to support uh, against these recommendations uh, so that we can assess the impact of these recommendations in practice. As Stephanie has already said, uh, GPAS guidelines are very much iterative. They're annually reviewed and with a full um, uh, review uh, every five years. Uh, so they're constantly being developed and improved uh, to continue to raise standards further. This improvement happens both in the light of assessment of their impact through the access scheme and also in the light of best evidence as it develops. As this is a completely new chapter, there are likely to be many areas where we make changes in light of experience of the recommendations in use. And we would, I'd like to finish by saying that we would really welcome any feedback and any suggestions for improvement. So please do get in touch at gpass at rcoa.ac.uk. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Anesthesia On Air from the Royal College of Anaesthetists. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. If there is a topic you'd like us to cover or you'd like to feature in the podcast, please email podcast at rcoa.ac.uk. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, as well as videos, e-learning, webinars, and our program of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists.